Well, Kevin may have uh, mentioned this, but I just want to repeat that we are inviting all of our teenagers to stay after church today and eat pizza. And I don't mean just any kind of pizza. This is Hungry Howie's pizza. I said, I told them, I said, don't skimp. Don't get cheap pizza. Just pepperoni and cheese only. Get us something that will uh, intrigue us. Get us something that will fill us up. So we've got the pizza uh, on the way, right? Whoever's doing pizza. <laughs> A thumbs up would be nice. Um, well, well, we'll get it done. And, uh, and the reason for the teenagers staying is choir practice. A youth choir practiced today and do their first song next Sunday morning. And speaking of next Sunday morning, um, you know, next weekend is fall back. So we get an extra hour of sleep. And I'm encouraging everybody to invite someone. Let them know, hey, you got an extra hour of sleep? Man, let's not waste it. Let's worship God with it. And uh, uh, we'll send you a little flyer this week to remind you next Sunday morning. It'll be a wonderful day and we'll have our youth choir for the first time. So as Kevin mentioned, Romans chapter 3 is where we have been the last few weeks and finishing up, I believe, today. Uh, and we've been looking at the permanent changes that have come with the new covenant we noted in chapter 3, verse 21, Paul's dramatic contrast after describing the sinfulness of man and the failure of the law. Verse 21, but now there's a righteousness of God manifested apart from the law. There's this tremendous uh, transition in history, B.C. and A.D., before Christ and after Christ, Old Covenant to the New Covenant, a historical division. And he brings this out when he says, but now. I've just noticed some time ago uh, that in John 9, when the blind man was healed and they were asking him what happened to you and who did this, and the blind man said, I don't know. Uh, all I know is once I was blind, but now I see. And it's the same exact construction used here. But now the righteousness of God apart from law has been manifested. In other words, there's this dramatic break with the past, a disconnect. And a new thing in history has Arisen. And we also pointed out in verse 21 that this righteousness from God, uh, this use of the word manifested, it is the verb tense that the scholars call the perfect tense, the Greek perfect tense. It's rarely used, but when it is used, it's meant to make a point. Uh, it's often called the permanent tense because it means that once this happens, it changes things forever. It has abiding results. Um, I remember reading one time uh, in 1 Corinthians 15 when Jesus, it says he died on the cross. That's the past tense. Then it says that he was buried. That's the past tense. But then it says he was raised. And it's not, you don't see it in the English so much, but in the Greek it's the perfect tense, the permanent tense. In other words, he died and that's in the past. But he's not dead now. He's, he was buried, but he's not buried now. But then when it uses the, he was raised, it, call, it uses the perfect tense because he's still raised. It has abiding results. 
It keeps going. No going back. And it's the perfect tense. The righteousness of God has been manifested. It has broken through. And it's never going back. We're never going back to the old covenant. If they rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, I ain't going. I ain't going to get on no plane and carry a lamb over there and sacrifice it. So it don't matter to me. Because God's not leaving the gospel to go back to the old covenant. And we pointed out that there are two or three things that Paul mentions that are permanent changes in history when Jesus came. In verse 21 and 22, the first permanent change that is manifested permanently is a righteousness apart from the law. In the Old Covenant, there is an if and a then. In other words, you do this and I'll do this. Um, there's a Latin phrase bandied about today. If you watch the news at all, you've heard this Latin phrase. Quid pro quo. Oh, if I hear that one more time, I'm going to pull my hair out. <laughs> and in Latin, it's the same thing. It's an if and then. If you do this, I'll do this. Quid is something, quo is for, and quid pro quo is something else. Here's something, and that's an exact trade. Well, in the Old Covenant, you had a quid pro quo. <laughs> I was just thinking this morning that y'all hear this, this stuff all week long, and in here on Sunday morning, the preacher's preaching, quid pro quo. Is there no escape? Well, there is an escape through the gospel. Amen. Uh, here's the quid pro quo. Exodus 19.5. Here's what he told. Israel has just come out of Egypt. They went up to Mount Sinai to receive the covenant, the old covenant. And here's how he introduces the Old Covenant in Exodus 19.5, the Ten Commandments are Exodus 20. And the other commandments go through chapter 24. But here's how he introduces the Old Covenant, Exodus 19.5. If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you, then, see that, here's the quote, then you shall be my treasured possession and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. If you will obey, then you will be. Here's what I will make you to be if you will do this. Quid pro quo. Tit for tat. Well, in the New Testament, it is apart from the law. No more if, but when you receive Christ by faith, there's a righteousness given to you apart from the law. So in 1 Peter 2, 9, Peter quotes Exodus 19:5, And here's the way he puts it. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. See, that's right out of Exodus 19, 5 and 6. He says, you are, not if you do, if you obey, but you are. Therefore, you should be, you should be a kind, a certain, you should live up to your privileges. He doesn't say if you obey, then you will become that. He says, you are that, now live like it. Know who you are. That's the new covenant. And what a change when we realize that where they 
tried to end up is where we begin. So, the one thing that's manifested permanently is a righteousness of God apart from the law. Another thing, and we saw in verse 25, that whom God put forward, speaking of Christ, God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. And the word, we pointed out that the word propitiation is the exact, there's only one other place in the New Testament that this word is used, hilasterion. Only one other place, and what is that word translated? What is it in the, in the one other place, Hebrews 19.5? Anybody remember? He's put Christ forward to be our mercy seat. You remember that? I had pictures of it. <laughs> I should have brought my pictures again. Hebrews 9, 5 is the only other place God put Christ forward to be our hilasterion, mercy seat. Now what was the mercy seat? It was the place in the Old Testament in the most holy of holies where God himself, himself dwelt, mercy throne. And the high priest would go once a year and sprinkle blood Seven times so you could be forgiven. Now that is where you went for atonement. God put Christ forward to be a mercy seat by his blood. Um, and there's reasons they translate it propitiation here, but it's unnecessary. Just, just understand that the word itself is, means a mercy seat. A place where you get Atonement, forgiveness, seven times. In other words, it's complete forgiveness. You could not go anywhere else in the earth and get forgiveness. Nowhere. For example, it's forbidden, Deuteronomy 12, 5, 12, 5 and 6 you are to seek the place the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes. He chose the tribe of Judah in Jerusalem and put it there. To put his name and make his habitation there. There you shall go. There you offer your burnt offerings and sacrifices. Where? Where he said to go. That's where the mercy seat is. That's where you met God. That's where you received forgiveness. You couldn't sacrifice anywhere you wanted to. That's why in Mark 2, when Jesus is teaching in this house, um, and they, uh, some friends of this paralytic wanted, him, wanted Jesus to heal him, so they took the roof off. The house was full, so they took the roof off and lowered him down uh, through the roof. And uh, you remember that? Y'all read that? And, uh, and so Jesus is teaching and suddenly there's this guy dangling <laughs> by ropes right in front of him. And he looks up and Jesus says, my son, your sins are forgiven you. And the Pharisees, there were some Pharisees standing by and they said, why does he speak like that? This is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? You can't just go around forgiving sins. There's a, there's a path. There's a place. There's a ceremony. There's a sacrifice. You can't do that. That's blasphemy. But you see, Jesus could do that. This is what Paul is saying. He is, the paralytic couldn't go to Jerusalem. He's paralyzed. So God put Jesus forward as the place of forgiveness. Remember the thief on the cross? Uh, he's not exactly free to go over to Jerusalem and worship, is he? But right next to him is the crucified Christ. 
and he says, Lord, remember me. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Total forgiveness, access to heaven, sprinkled four time, uh, seven times, just like on the, at the mercy seat. In John t- uh, chapter 2, they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, show us a sign of who you are. And Jesus says, all right, I'll give you a sign. And he said, if you destroy this temple, in three days I'll raise it up. And they said, what, what does he mean to destroy this temple? We have been building on the temple now for 46 years. And then it says this, John 2, 21, they didn't understand that he was speaking of the temple of his body. See, when Jesus came, he came and God put him forward as the essence of the temple so that he's the mercy seat. He's the high priest and the lamb that was slain and he's the altar on which the blood was shed. He's the whole tabernacle and the essence of it. Jesus has made obsolete, old covenant, archaic worship. So we no longer are under old covenant ceremonies and worship. Amen. What has permanently changed? A righteousness from God apart from law. Second, the temple service is now obsolete. Jesus has replaced it all, including the mercy seat. A third thing has permanently changed. Uh, This is in verse 25. God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. Now notice, this was to show... God's righteousness. In other words, it may, it's to show that God is right, uh, righteous. Because, verse 25, because in His divine forbearance or patience, He had passed over former sins. What did Christ bring? What has happened? What has permanently changed? The permanent change is that in the cross, God's patience in the Old Testament with sinners has been defended and vindicated. Because in His forbearance, He passed over sins. No judge can be just and pass over criminality. The law itself says that, Deuteronomy 25.1. If there's a dispute between men and they come into court, the judge decides he must acquit the innocent, condemn the guilty. Well, what if a judge did just the opposite? He justified the ungodly and condemned the guilty. <laughs> That's what happened in the gospel. Jesus the innocent is condemned and me the guilty is acquitted. But here's the thing. Jesus was God in the flesh. It was God himself that was doing this. Uh, He passed over former sins. In 1993, Pennsylvania removed for the first time a Supreme Court judge of the state named Rolf Larson. He was discovered to be to have committed, these are their words, judicial malfeasance. So there you go. But you can remove a judge if he's unjust. Because his judgments have become illegal. Now, in the Old Testament, God the judge let many people who were guilty go free. God told Adam, he said, the day you eat the fruit, you will die. Adam didn't die. He justified Abraham 
in Genesis 15 and declared him righteous. But Abraham lied about his wife. He went down, you all know this story, he went down into Egypt and he was afraid that Sarah was so beautiful that the Pharaoh would kill him and take Sarah. So he said, hey Sarah, I tell everybody you're my sister. That way they won't kill me. They'll just take you into their harem. He, Abraham is not used in the New Testament as an exemplary husband, let me tell you. And I just uh, uh, read, I, I don't know how I missed this all these years, but Abraham actually had a harem, a group of concubines with children, and at one stage of his life, he sent them all away. He said, here's some money, bye-bye. Now that's in his old age. He, and yet Abraham was justified by God. I don't think we could get away with that. And what about Moses who killed an Egyptian? Moses himself was in the Egyptian army. He killed one of his own soldiers and covered it up. What about David? Do I have to say anything about David? And Solomon, so, uh, you know, the law says that if you commit adultery, you're worthy, you're guilty of, uh, of a crime that is punishable by death. Solomon had a thousand women. He passed the threshold a long time before. <laughs> and he died of old age. So where was God, the judge, the just uh, uh, lawkeeper God passed over those sins in his divine forbearance so that when Jesus died on the cross who paid for all that Jesus did Jesus died for the sins of Old Testament sinners thus saving them and defending his heavenly father vindicating God for his infinite patience with the sinners of the old covenant. Here's a verse, Hebrews 9.15. Give me Hebrews 9.15 up there. Hebrews, we're looking. There we go. Christ is a mediator of a new covenant so those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. We call it the old covenant. He calls it the first covenant. The new covenant is also the second covenant. But he says he redeemed them from the transgressions they did under the first covenant. So how were they forgiven? Why did God pass over? Because God is going somewhere with it. He took their sins forward into the New Testament. It's like a, like a divine credit card. He charged it for them. And then Jesus paid for it. Notice also the next verse, verse 26. And it was to show his righteousness, this is an addition, at the present time uh, that he might be just and justifier of him who has faith in Jesus. Not only it showed God's righteousness in the past because he had passed over former sins and Jesus died for those, but it also shows that God is righteous at the present time because he can justify those who are wicked he can pronounce you forgiven and atoned for and not guilty and still be a just God. Why? Because it was paid for by Jesus Christ. Chuck Swindoll tells the story of a deaf couple in Fairfax, Virginia who got married and they lost their disability benefits because they got married. Uh, the landlord had to take them to court because they fell behind on their rent payments. And the judge 
had no recourse but to rule against them. I mean, after all, it's what he's owed. Right is right. A judge must be just. But suddenly the judge got up and left the courtroom and emerged a few minutes later and he walked up to the lawyer for the landlord. He had the exact amount in his hand that the couple owed and he handed it to him and said, consider it paid. With this transfer of funds, the judge was both both merciful and just. They came together. The debt was paid, and so the case was dismissed. Now, I wouldn't count on an earthly judge doing that for you. It happens on occasion. It has happened. But this is what God has done for us. The debt has been paid, the case is dismissed, and the judge is still just. Because Christ, God in Christ, was reconciling us to himself. Through the redemption of Christ, the case is dismissed. Now, very quickly, let me take you through these uh, three final conclusions. Verse 27, Paul asked them, you know, sometimes you see these Bible studies and they'll have a question and uh, discussion questions at the end of a study. Paul has these discussion questions only so you don't get it wrong, he answers them. (laughs) So there's three of them starting in verse 27. Here's, Here's the first one. So what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. (laughs) Amen. What do we have to brag about? Only the Savior, Jesus Christ, and the love of God shown at Calvary. There is no ground for boasting in ourselves. That's number one. Number two, look at verse 28. Or uh, I mean 29. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. In other words, Gentiles and Jews are equally righteous before God now. Does this not make... If, if a Gentile believes in Jesus and becomes righteous, is his righteousness less than that of the Jewish law? On the contrary... Both Jew and Gentile must embrace this new covenant. And when they do, they are on equal ground. Ponder that, dear people. In Revelation 7, 9, John saw a great multitude which no man could number from all nations and all kindreds and all people and all tongues and all races They stood before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were all clothed with white robes. That's the Christian harvest at the end of the age. All had white robes. There's not this special group with royal blue robes. And the rest of us have white ones. There's not 144,000 up yonder and we have to stay back here. Can I get an amen? There's not an inequality of races. Amen. The Christian church is the one place that everybody should know we're all equal in Jesus Christ. If there was ever any place, we're equal before Him. Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, verse 29, Gentiles also. And then the third question, verse 31. Do we then overthrow the law? Is the law just discarded as if it was nothing? On the contrary, he says, we uphold the law. 
we magnify the law. How does the gospel magnify the law? Well, the exact amount. In fact, Jesus overpaid. Because of the value of his deity, the value of his person, you owed a billion dollars and he paid a trillion. You, he overpaid. So you can not only consider the law upheld, but the law is magnified and the offended party is reconciled. Hey, if you owe me $100 and every time I see you, I think, uh-huh, there you are again. You owe me $100. And then one day you walk up and you give me $1,000. I just want to give you this thousand dollars because I know I owe you a hundred and this and this is for interest and, and inconvenience and I you know what I'm gonna say? I'm gonna say, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> we are friends forever. BFF. <laughs> the law is upheld because of the value of the Son of God who paid for our sins. Well, may Jesus be praised, God glorified, His people justified, and the gospel proclaimed. This gospel needs to get out. Next Sunday, invite somebody. We got an extra hour. Tell them. Use a guilt trip. Say, hey, if you had one extra hour, wouldn't you want to use it for God? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. But we get an extra hour next week. Let's, let's round them all up for next Sunday morning. Ushers, you come and let's pray together. And, and let's worship with tithes and offering today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much and we're so happy to be alive in this day and in this age and this new covenant time. What, what a day to live in. What blessings that have come to us. We celebrate. Oh God, our hearts leap. Our minds race. We rejoice truly with unspeakable joy. May you be glorified this day and throughout this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. to love you with our whole heart, Lord, to do your will. And God, just thank you for your righteousness that you've given us, Lord. We didn't deserve it, but God, thank you for the grace that you've given us through that, Lord. Thank you for Jesus. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a great afternoon.
I already have my copy. I don't know if we want to do oceans. If, I mean, I'm down to do two, but oceans? I mean, I'll do it. I don't know if I could play the guitar that well on it. Yeah. Dylan, he left a long time ago.
No, Lucas is going to go. Yeah, and I think Lucas might, I don't know if he really wants to. No, no. Oceans, so I can't play Oceans. So I don't know it. I didn't. Okay, I need to know the password for this. Hello. Yeah. This is not bad. Or should we just do bones? Yeah. Hey guys. 
it's really hard to see. I could, like, I can't think of one right now, but... Okay, little boys, get up oh, close to the mic. They're not okay. getting close to the mic. I keep on changing it until the day we do it. So that's the only dilemma. Stop! Stop! I don't know if we're gonna play it. Yeah. She's just We're gonna figure it out. Or you can put it in G. Take my dry bones. Move it. You can move the stand. No, you can freaking move the stand. Yeah, you guys gotta scooch one, two, three, up. Check, one, two, three. It's on. Okay, I'm not Audrey. Dry bones. Just sing loud, Abigail. Dry bones. Bring life into okay, so this skin. Me and Pratt are you started out? He's singing. How about we? Have to have it at your mouth, okay? You can hold it out. Yeah, just hold it out. Are you sure? Do we have any more stands? We can put it on our stand. Got you. Hi. Are they all? 
You can take my drive. I am serious.